0: We are Gucci.
1: Oh, should we talk about the ETFs? Didn't that happen after our pod?
0: So, no, fuck. Who cares? Um, it happened after our pod. Did it? Yeah, it happened what, on the, Thursday. The, the, ban, the ban and then, and then, then, then like saying we're going to reevaluate. it. Then we're
1: going to review it, yeah. Yeah, we, we can, can talk it. We can just give it like a quick tap-tap. Quick, uh,
0: yeah, we can talk about it. We'll give it a tap-tap. Okay, tap-tap. Well what's up freaks? You heard a little pre show uh brainstorm there. Welcome back to uh rabbit hole recap with Matt and Marty. Uh we'll get to uh we'll get to the ETF, don't worry. I just surprised Matt. He didn't know we were recording that that little pre ad lib. Yeah, you pulled a fast one on me. Um Yeah, so welcome back to another week, freaks. Week two. About to get it in the books. A lot has happened in the last week. Um Particularly, what, let's uh, let's start with uh, Vitalik's admission. Vitalik Buterin, uh, co-founder of Ethereum, uh, lead scientist of the Ethereum project, Some would argue a centralizing figure in the project. I will say, I'll, I'll say, maybe not so anymore. Um, but he came out with a with a with a blog post last night, basically admitting uh, uh, something that Bitcoiners have been clamoring about. For years that that uh, development and capabilities at the base layer, layer one, the protocol layer should be, uh, should be as, as few and simple as possible, uh, and that all the complexity should be pushed to, to layers above the protocol layer. Matt, how, how, do you, how did you take this news? It was very surprising.
1: It, it was basically keep the protocol layer simple, use layer two for scaling. Which is what the Bitcoin camp has been saying for the longest time now, years now.
0: Like almost half a decade, I'm pretty sure.
1: And is the whole reason Ethereum exists is because it was the idea of base layer scaling over... um,
0: Pushing it to second layer. Pushing it to the second layer. Yeah, because Vitalik was perturbed that he couldn't do what he wanted to do with Bitcoin, so he went to create Ethereum.
1: Right, but now they ran into all these different troubles.
0: They're finding... like maybe there was a reason he couldn't build on the
1: protocol. Well, like CryptoKitties, for instance, was super successful for like an eight-hour period or 10-hour period. The whole network came to a grinding halt. I remember during the ICO craze when it was some random, you people would go to send a Ethereum transaction and it wasn't working. And you would just you do a quick Google search to see what ICO was launched that day. And that's why no transactions were going through. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, so it's just not an efficient way to scale and that's completely fine for him to acknowledge that, but it kind of feels like a whitewashing of history a little bit, you know, like, Oh, this is a genius idea. Metallica yeah. A lot of people are
0: treating it like somebody met, said it was masterclass
1: <laughs> It was a masterclass,
0: <laughs> masterclass, uh, paper. I mean, listen, listen, freaks. Like, you can go, you can roll back the tape. I've been saying this for almost the, a year now. I think the episode with Pierre in particular, part one or two, we said this specifically. Like, right, right. So my whole, so we all know I'm, I'm a bit of a of a village, not a village idiot, but like a village like lurker, not necessarily building anything. I understand a few of the technicals, uh, but I really invest in and in have an outlook on these projects based off heuristics. Uh, one of which my favorite heuristics is, is keep it simple, stupid. Um, and then uh, an emagulation of this would be Gaul's Law, which is anything, um, any complex system that has ever be- become complex. It's basically started out as a, a very simple function that is built throughout time. You just and keep adding shit to yes, it. Yes, and any and any system that sets out to be complex from scratch and tries to build a bunch of complex uh, functionalities out of the box Will inevitably fail because uh, that is not the way you scale, especially distributed systems. Yeah, um, from
1: like a robust strength defense kind of way. Exactly. Uh, the smaller the attack surface.
0: Yeah, so The my, better you are. My, Keep it simple. So if, if I were to write, if I were to be the, the writer for the Tetris uh, bearish Ethereum uh, paper that they put out earlier this month, it wouldn't have to be 42 pages. It would be like three sentences or two words. It would be like Gaul's Law. Um, so th- that's, I'm sure, what, it would get you a ton of LPs, ton of LPs. <laughs> that's all you gotta say. Um, let me get your thoughts on this. Uh, what uh, are we are we overreacting here? No, I mean we completely agree here. Yeah. There's no overreacting.
1: We're being very, very polite about it. I think actually, uh, <laughs> it was a little bit infuriating at first, but I've, I've come around and it's just at least. We finally have agreement on this. So, uh, that's that. You know, I'm not kind of...
0: Yeah. We were right. Point one
1: for us. Told you so. Uh, We get get to say the famous told you so. All
0: right, on to the next one. Um, We we talked about this in the first episode. Uh, Core version 0.17 is being released uh, in the next couple weeks here. We should go back for a second. That that was he like hedged it a little bit, right? He still
1: wants. He just said like layer two has its place. He still wants all these sharding and and different scenarios like that into play. Yeah. So there'll be more "told you so" moments in the future. Okay. Okay, It's gonna continue.
0: It feels like the goalposts are moving a lot in with Ethereum. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's what I'm saying. It was like kind of like a little bit of a hedgy. Yeah. Hedgie situation. Yeah, I would agree.
0: It's interesting, you have Lubin going on like a media tour. You got to calm the markets. The important thing is to calm the markets. Exactly. Lubin's going on a media tour. I saw he was on Yahoo Finance today talking about Ethereum. He was on, uh, was it CNBC a couple days ago? I think he might have been on Bloomberg as well. Please, guys, I'm not selling. You don't sell. We're all good here. We're good. Please. Joe
1: Lubin also is one of the founders of Ethereum. Uh, he has like fifteen percent
0: of Ethereum supply or something like that. Yeah, something says. crazy. And someone argues he's more powerful uh, than Vitalik, myself included, or has more influence. I don't want to say powerful. Okay, uh, next topic. My bad. All right. Yeah, we were getting onto it. Uh, version core version zero point seventeen is coming out, uh, and there's a couple of upgrades in t- uh, coming. Coming uh, in, into the next version, one of which being uh, an improvement of SPV nodes, um, which is basically going to allow um, SPV lightning nodes, I believe, which is pretty cool. It's, uh, the upgrade's called Neutrino. That's getting merged in, I think, over the next three or four m- major, or two or three major releases, and that's getting initiated in 0.17. Um so that is uh something incredibly innovative, it's gonna allow a lot of innovation and definitely something to keep your eye on. And I thought this would be a good opportunity for you to explain uh how Bitcoin is still innovative even though the development process is somewhat conservative, because there's a lot of people out there that have said that Bitcoin uh is inherently uh uninnovative because of its lack of its lack of ability to hard fork. Um to to basically get in better features uh i would argue that is completely false and could you explain sort of the benefits of soft forks and backward compatible uh upgrades within bitcoin well
1: that's always the that's always been the argument that the shit have given us um most of the time a lot of the times with these altcoins what you see is they 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 have this great idea to save Bitcoin, to make Bitcoin better. It gets rejected and then they go and they, they launch their own coin. Um, it goes back to our earlier our, our earlier discussion, right? That you, you want to keep it simple. You want to keep everything as simple as possible, as conservative as possible, as slow as possible. You're moving billions of dollars. Uh, you you can't have a fuck up. You can't have the littlest error. It can happen. So you move slow, steady, and and you try and maintain backwards compatibility at all costs. Uh, I mean, you agree with that, right? Pretty Full much heartily. everything. Yes. Now, I think there might be a situation where you, where a hard fork is needed. In there the is future. a situation
0: where a hard fork is needed. We know it. It has right. to do with the Unix clock, I believe, or or not the Unix clock. There's like there's like a Y2K bug. Right, or something Y2K, like. St- something like that. Yeah, right, a Y2K yeah. style bug where I think it's the year 2038 or something like that.
1: It's a, it's a wild
0: Um Yeah, but the consensus between people, I've, I've this scared the shit out of me. So this is a good bug to like know about. I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's a Y2K-like bug uh, that is going to force Bitcoin to hard fork in the future. Um, and it's pretty much guaranteed. Some people think there's a backwards compatible way, but... A lot of people think there isn't from what I can glean
1: but that kind of situation it's it's really easy to get consensus um,
0: yeah it's like we either do this or the network implodes
1: uh, but I also think there'll be you know situations where it might be a lot more difficult to get consensus um, privacy related stuff or? yeah basically privacy mostly privacy related stuff and if that happens you know we'll cross that bridge when we cross it uh, I, I think I think that you know, worst case scenario you have you have two chains running next to each other and uh and people will decide which one they, they find more valuable. But uh the, the idea that you need to if you hard fork all the time and you make it like really common to hard fork like the Ethereum community does, like the Monero community does you 're basically you're adding an attack vector you're adding like this you're adding this situation where people can a, a central group of actors can just push through new code
0: that that changes key key elements of the system yeah um, so that, I think the point we're trying to get across here is there are ways to be innovative without hard forking and to assume that Bitcoin is not innovative because it doesn't hard fork uh, is is a a very, uh, poor assumption in my opinion. Um, it's like Segwit was soft forked in, that yeah. arguably enabled lightning network and, uh, a ton of in- innovation was enabled because of that. Soft and it forked. makes
1: soft future soft forking even easier. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, hard forks should be avoided at all costs. And that, that's a, that's a feature. That's not a, you could be running, you know, one of the earliest versions of Bitcoin and, and it'll still
0: work. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fucking cool. Um, yeah. So, viva la decentralization. Um, stay away from hard forks, even though that's more to do with consensus and decentralization. It's been a long day. Um, next up on the list, CNBC bullshit. How about oh. that? How about that post? <laughs> or how about that 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 uh, segment they ran last night? They interviewed Roger Ver, some kook in the woods, and Jordan Belfort.
1: Jordan Belfort. Yeah, the guy from uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah
0: upstanding citizen he was literally
1: his qualification was i ran scams so bitcoin's a scam I think. <laughs> right and i didn't watch it yeah i don't think you watched it either right i watched like the two minute clip uh, my dad watched it what do you think he said he said they didn't only say bad things so really? I, I think that's a plus okay that's he good. asked me who roger veer was uh. uh or or you might have called him george veer or something he got him completely wrong but um yeah, I mean, screw that. Like, they, what's that law that there's a there's another law that's like if you if if you know a topic really well and then you 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 watch you know regular media about it, you see how uninformed they are. I just I there's no way that they went out and they were like, let's make a well informed docu, whatever, on Bitcoin, and then they they pick like Tree Guy. <laughs> who the hell? I don't even know who he is. Roger Ver and and is ridiculous. I think they had Draper on too. My dad likes Dra- liked Draper. Um, he's got a
0: nice Bitcoin tie. He he brought it up. He's like he wore the Bitcoin tie on the um, Hey, this is CNBC Fast Money, the the program that was shilling Nautilus Coin in 2014 and sold you all Ripple at the top, the three dollars right at the top. Literally, step by step, walked you through how to buy it at the exact top.
1: So. And their Twitter account just trolls us. They just put out ridiculous content all the time. Yeah.
0: Um, so I want to put too much credence into anything CNBC pushes out. I'm sorry, CNBC. That's uh, a fault of your own doing over the years. So when they were pumping Nautilus coin in 2014, that's when I was like, all right, this shit's getting old. Brian weird. Kelly. Right? We, we member. <laughs> I remember That and Dirac. He spun up a shit coin with, uh, with Bryce Wiener. Remember Dirac? It was like coupled with Nautilus. Yeah. Yeah. By gold or something like that. Good old Bryce. Good old Bryce and Brian. Yeah. The tag team of the shitcoin days. Okay.
1: But anyway, that CNBC thing was a trash piece. And, you know, it's, it just, we figured it was worth mentioning because I'm sure people watched it. But,
0: uh, What what are your favorite sources of information?
1: I, I, you know, I, I'm Twitter and telegram right now for Bitcoin stuff. Yeah. Uh, is, is there's nothing really else. I would agree. Besides that. I mean, you should listen to this podcast as well. Yeah, I um, would agree. I would say But so. Twitter, Twitter and Telegram, if you, if, if you can, Twitter's definitely an addiction. I've heard you talk about this before. And like, you really shouldn't spend that much time on it. But if you do, it's a really, it's a re- it's a really useful That's resource. It's a really valuable resource. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. We oh, WeChat and uh, Alibaba or Alipay. Oh, yeah, they blocked it in China. Blocked it in China. Is this yeah. uh, in order straight from? Uh, I'm not sure. From from the uh, from the higher ups in China. China's All I know popular? is
1: it, it looks like it was like uh, it's to block mostly like OTC guys and stuff like that, uh, over the okay. counter. So basically, like people people trading informally between each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess like China has famously banned Bitcoin about like, 15 times now i will say more than that. Um, and in this process, a lot of the exchanges move off offshore off and do all these different tricks and things. And the OTC market has really thrived there. So informal in trades between people. And a lot of that's organized through WeChat and Telegram. Specifically, WeChat in China is huge.
0: And Alipay, correct? Do they yeah, have in Telegram in
1: China? I, I, don't, I, I assume so okay. because I've spoken to... Maybe people in Hong Kong or I don't know they might be blocked there, yeah, it might be whatever WeChat's number one it's like it's like their Twitter and their whatsapp and their I think it's like everything all combined into one yeah apparently and like- and now they're blocking all crypto transactions, and I, I they might even be using keywords to block things. I think they closed down some groups
0: um so there's major censorship over there uh our hearts go out to our, to our Chinese brothers and sisters who are who are being uh, censored out there. Um, well, but it's, it's another interesting thing to get into. Like it's been more being uh, brought up in more and more conversations I've been having happen- having with people. Like when are these nation states going to attack these cryptocurrencies in in earnest? And China's uh, China's been an interesting like testing ground for that. Well, I
1: mean, I think it's really interesting because we have a lot of. Pressing free speech battles going on in America right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have the whole Alex Jones and Twitter situation, um, where he got deplatformed on all these different platforms, and Twitter didn't deplatform him. People said Twitter should deplatform him, and some people said he shouldn't get deplatformed. And then at the same time, you have uh, Defense Distributed with the guns, mm-hmm. uh, and they're getting sued, and he's uploading the files, and and you have all that going on. And then in China, like you see what the end result is. Like, just because even if you don't agree with people's politics, you know, at some point, it's just an extremely slippery slope. At some point, they're going to come, come for things you
0: agree with. Exactly. No, and that's actually one thing I was talking about today in particular was that uh, defense distributed. And I was saying, like, it's people should start paying a lot uh, more attention to what's going on around them in particular because I think it's going to be Uh, a very telling precursor to how these governments might attack Bitcoin because it's very similar. uh, First Amendment arguments that can be made for both defense distributed and Bitcoin in particular. Right. Code is protected under free speech. Yeah. Um, So definitely pay attention to what's going on with defense distributed. And again, I said this today uh, on the podcast I was on, but like I I didn't grow up with guns. Like I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers because they had guns in them. But like I very strongly believe in the first amendment and basically what's going on with defense distributed in particular, they're basically showing people like the mechanics of how a gun is made. Uh, and you can go to a library and find these books. And this has been like, and Cody Wilson, put but this, they're,
1: they're uploading 3d, 3d printer blueprints for <coughs> guns. That's
0: the code to code, to print your own. Yeah. But it's basically translating The book into a different language, just a programming. Well,
1: people are selling the book now. Their book of all of the code on Amazon, and I think Amazon actually blocked it, Mm -hmm. uh, and they're selling it, you know, through different avenues. And Cody just opened up his website again, and the block that they have on them doesn't stop him from sending them out as USB sticks. So now he's sending them out as USB sticks. Uh, So it should get interesting, but I think, I think the big takeaway which is like the core of the cypherpunk ethos is that you know we got to build these systems so that no one can get blocked mm-hmm. and as long as if you build things that they can't get blocked this whole discussion just goes out the fucking window yeah, it's mute. because you can't block them <laughs> you can't <laughs> block anyone you know it doesn't matter if you agree with them you disagree with them and if, if people do illegal things or threaten people or or you know do any kind incite violence or whatever? Then you know you do good old fashioned police work, and you press charges against them. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, there will be law and order. Yeah. There should.
1: Yeah. Exactly. No one's saying that you throw that out.
0: Yeah, but there is like a big like. It's interesting to see how the media is reacting to defense distributor in particular, making them out to be a big boogeyman.
1: Well, I they kind of are, right? I think the cat's out of the bag.
0: Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. Definitely.
1: I mean, this is gonna. Yeah. Even if for, even though all of his. All of his schematics are already out there. Even if, if they somehow were able to get them back, which they won't, and throw him in jail and delete all of his files and everything, like some kid in like Bangladesh will come up with it, you know, or S- Singapore or wherever. It doesn't even matter. Anywhere. You just. Exactly. That's and so- then upload him to the internet. And then that's that.
0: Right? There is a. Uh, what's the, the monster where you cut off its head, it grows another? What is that? I know what you're talking about. I can't name it. I'm like in the daze right now. The hottest day of the year, by the way. Right. The it's Hydra. The Hydra? Yeah, the Hydra. Yeah, exactly. That's Ta- what it is. Talking about Hydras on the hottest day of the year. It was like 100 degrees in Brooklyn today.
1: Okay, boom. New topic. Yeah, way
0: too hot. Hash rate jump. Precipitous hash rate jump. Let's zoom in on this. I think some people were saying 30% in one day, which is insane. It hit 62x a hash at some point. It was hovering around. Yeah, hover around 45, uh, Exahash uh, on August 25th. And at some point last night, yesterday, uh, it was at 62. So that's a 17. That's more than a 35% increase.
1: Now, it's worth noting that this is a a rough estimate because it's based on how many blocks are are mined in a certain amount of time. Exactly. Um, And it could be partially statistical anomaly. But... uh, it's a good sign, nonetheless. Hash yeah. rate going up.
0: Yeah, an interesting jump though, but like hash rate continues to go up. It's uh that's like one thing I was also talking about today. Like how long can it go at this pace? Like I'm interested to see like that's another thing we have to prepare for, like can it can it keep this hockey stick growth for how long can it keep that hockey stick growth and
1: I think for a little bit now.
0: Yeah, and what what will the what will the market reaction be to uh to a either plateauing of that growth or a decline.
1: I mean, I think you have the two combinations, right? You have, you have the efficiency of the chips is getting better, mm-hmm. um, and the value of Bitcoin is getting higher, right? And both of those should lead to, to that hash rate going up, you know, continue to increase significantly. I, people always do this hash rate to price comparison thing, yeah, and I don't really. They have an interesting relationship with each other, um, but I wouldn't say like one follows one or one follows the other.
0: No, especially when you get to like the underlying mechanics of how these mining operations are actually working. Because I would, once these miners put in the sunk cost of actually buying the rigs, and what you'll find is there's a lot of uh, there's a, a good amount of time between when they initially put in the orders and when they receive the miners and are able to have them up and running so if these miners are going to make that that uh expenditure they're going to plug them in and what people don't realize is they're plugging them in after decisions they made six months ago it's not necessarily like they bought them yesterday and like hey we're going to mine bitcoin and stuff like that
1: yeah and they all have different expenses they all have variable expenses and they don't know you know, so this whole idea that you can you can determine what the break-even cost is is ridiculous. Um, they they all ha- they all have different costs, different opportunity costs, different situations they're in. I mean, like if you're in Venezuela, you, you can technically be losing money, you know, but you're not actually losing money because anything you get is is worth it, right? Yeah. Or, um, and and the other thing is. And it's one of the reasons i tell people who are interested in mining to just leave that to the big boys and to buy some is is mining is like the ultimate like leveraged long-term play basically yeah because your payout is over time you're committing all this sunk cost of the capex it's crazy so like so Miners in general tend, I think I would, I would guess, you know, in this most recent run up, there's probably more people that took ridiculous risks and shouldn't are probably stronger hands, right? They're, they're thinking on longer time scales. They, they have the money lined up, you know, they, they're, they're making a net profit every time they're running their miners.
0: And yeah, that's uh, another thing people were talking about is the, the uh, switch of, the burden of cost and mining going from ca- capex to opex um so going from capital expenditure to some people think that these asic miners in particular are they're so in demand the price is getting driven to such a point where most of the uh, expenditure is going to be focused on making everything as efficient as possible at the firmware hardware uh and then obviously like your and getting your
1: electricity costs it, as low as possible exactly Um, I, I, that goes back to our hockey stick hash, hash rate. Like I, I, that, that, I don't think that has happened yet. You're probably calling, people are calling it a little bit too early. Um, but that's the goal. It's the, it's the commoditization of, of mining hardware. And then once you get to that point, it's not like the ASIC you purchased is obsolete in a year. Um, it's slightly obsolete, but not completely obsolete. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you can do all sorts of cool things like run them in boilers and use the extra heat to heat a home and then you're able to mine for what otherwise would be a loss, but, but it's not a loss situations like that. You get some really clever uh, uses once you don't have to worry about the hardware going obsolete, like right away. Yeah. And you can really quest out that cheap energy.
0: Interesting things ahead people. So that's like a, a a cottage industry to think of. If you're looking to build something out there, like thinking 10 years ahead where there's going, maybe, Maybe uh, greenhouses that are that are powered by uh, Bitcoin miners or something like that. No, there house. was
1: there was a company I think last year or something
0: that came out with like a radiator.
1: That I yeah, mean, like Siberia, an, right? An ASIC is basically a radiator. I think it was like a British company or something. Like an ASIC is already basically a radiator, just shooting out hot heat. You know, so they were like, you can put it on your wall, and it'll mine cryptocurrencies for you. But it turns out that like right now, it's, it's too like, loud. It's like a really shitty miner and a really shitty heater. And it'll go obsolete really quickly. So it's not worth it, but it, it. The potential is there.
0: It'll be there in the future. And uh, I think this conversation is actually a perfect segue to a great article that came out yesterday from a very underrated Bitcoiner, I would say, is Laurent MT, at Laurent MT on Twitter. He's based out of Paris. He runs the Block Explorer, OXT.me. Definitely check that out if you get a chance. Uh, he did an incredible investigative report on the spam attacks of the summers of 2015 and 2016, I believe. Uh, just an overall very uh, analytical mind and has really jumped into the data uh, behind the Bitcoin blockchain in particular. And he uh, released the first of a four-part four series uh, attempting to debunk the FUD around Bitcoin mining. Uh, like you, You'll hear the headlines like uh, Bitcoin... Mining or is taking up one percent of the world's energy consumption or something like that, um, and somebody, everybody, uh, putting out these reports is trying to measure energy consumption based off of per transaction, like uh, cost per transaction, and they're really uh, uh, coming to these final numbers and metrics that are from a wrong perspective. They're not really taking into the taking into consideration the age of the UTXO set and the amount of power that it took to, to hash certain UTXOs at a certain point of time, which really really come into play when you're trying to value the amount of energy consumed by Bitcoin in particular. Um, so this paper, uh, Gravity, is the first part. Uh, definitely check it out. It's on his Medium, at uh, Mt. And, uh, and We'll put a link to it. We'll put a link to it. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, we went over this a little bit, Matt. You want to dive into like, the details of what he's talking about? Or do you want me to dive in?
1: I mean, basically, it's you know, you, we have people that are trying to push a specific narrative, right? And that narrative is that, that Bitcoin is, is wasteful. Um, we see this both, Bitcoin mining is wasteful, and we see this both in, in the crypto world and and from the outside in the crypto world you know they're like oh use pos or use this system or use that system bitcoin mining is wasteful um and then outside they're like it's an environmental disaster you know we got to shut this thing down and it's just it's the wrong way of looking at it right and he he puts it in a really interesting perspective on on how that's flawed Mm um
0: yeah, he dives into the math. So he thinks, so right now, a lot of these studies, like I said, they're basing uh, their assumptions based off the cost of per transaction, and they're really leaving out uh, two particular variables that that really uh, draw a different picture once they're taken into consideration. And again, that's um, uh, that is the... Age of a UTXO. So uh, basically, the, me- the metric that you should be following is how much value is being secured, and you have to take in the the whole UTXO set, including when a UTXO was created, how much energy it took when it was created, and the difference between the energy yeah. it takes now to secure the whole network to when it would the an old UTXO was created.
1: Yeah, when you're mining a block, you're not just mining the transactions included in that block, not only do those transactions have multiple outputs that, you know, aren't in each, each transaction can have multiple outputs, but you're securing the whole network and every single transaction before it, all of that is happening every, you know, on average 10 minutes when, when, when a new block is found.
0: Yeah. And so the conclusion of this paper, just to bring it all together is, um, that basically Bitcoin mining is becoming more and more efficient over time when you take in the uh, supply have or the reward happenings and the supply inflation and you're, all the past transactions air. exactly, um, so, uh, that's a little little spin the table one eighty on the mainstream media. Bitcoin's actually becoming more energy efficient over time, and it's helping us find cleaner uh, energies.
1: Yeah, on top of that, it's it's the miners as we were talking about earlier. Miners will always go especially as time goes on the main cost will be electricity and then you'll have subsidiary costs which is is which is labor you know land and like regulatory risk but the main cost is electricity so if you can get your electricity as cheap as possible that's ideal um so that that does two things it's it's it directly incentivizes more efficient electricity so we're gonna have cheaper better electric generation supply. And then it also happens to be that renewable is is often the cheapest because they have these times where it's excess, where renewable has this issue where it's not all the time. It can't give you... Like, if you have wind there's, there's energy, not enough.
0: There's not enough demand for the energy at all times. Well, and it, it goes both ways, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: For hydro, there's not... Right, it's hard to
0: store it. Yes. Right. So when... And it's for some... Uh, energy plants it's hard to justify keeping the lights on if they have all this excess energy at certain points of 24 hour day where it's not being used and they're sort of wasting the storage of it um, so you bring bitcoin miners there you don't waste that energy you turn it into liquid bitcoin and you basically it eliminate waste of energy so that would be it's a like, waste of energy it's
1: basically it's like a synthetic synthetic battery exactly right so it's like instead of storing it as energy which you lose like of the energy when you store it because it's not efficient enough, you just convert it to Bitcoin and then you can store that energy, export that energy anywhere you want in the world. You just turn it to money. So you can have like operations, you know, you can have a wind operation in the middle of nowhere, Canada, where no one lives. And as long as you can get a decent internet connection out there, you can just, mine bitcoin on windmills out there or solar or whatever and no one has to be connected to it you don't have to be connected to a grid you just have to be connected to the internet
0: yeah and then that's pretty crazy exactly and then on top of that like even with dirty energy like in oil refineries in west texas like what people don't realize these oil refineries will sometimes or most of the times let off excess natural gas or methane into the atmosphere and it is terrible for the atmosphere when it's just left to go float into the atmosphere and, and destroy the ozone layer but what we're what in west texas in particular miners are going to those refineries capping that excess methane or natural gas i'm not sure which one it is um and then turning I think that it's not gas yeah. if we're talking about hash gen it's not gas i'm yeah. pretty sure so it's nat gas so
1: they put like a, a storage container next to it and then they whenever there's these releases these excess releases of nat gas they use it to mine bitcoin so the miners are turning on and off, you know, but when, they, when they're when they being used, the electricity is free,
0: basically. They were throwing it out before. It's like, I'm, I've heard like half a cent a kilowatt. Yeah, like
1: I mean, that. to the operator, it's, you know, that it was they going get, into the getting sky. It's f- money out of nowhere. And
0: for the Earth, I've actually talked to somebody who's in the know about this. It's actually uh, better for the Earth if that energy is burnt instead of just sent into. That makes sense to me. Sent into, into the atmosphere without being used. Um, you know, it's just
1: and then you have there's so much waste in our current system you know like I had a guy that was that worked as an advisor for Lufthansa you know lecturing me about Bitcoin energy usage on on Twitter like you we waste tons and tons of energy the current banking system wastes tons and tons of energy Bitcoin is a decentralized financial network it's the base of this whole new you know trust minimized system we might have to all of a sudden say, like, that's waste and these other things aren't waste is already ridiculous. Yeah, and that's like... And you can't stop it. Like, tough luck. If you don't like <laughs> it, you know, hopefully it'll
0: work out because you're not going to be able to stop well, it. That's, but I do... We talk about this a lot. Like, Bitcoin is helping people think in different ways. And, like, what I say a lot about Bitcoin from a monetary perspective, like... People never think about the concept of money, and Bitcoin's making people think about the concept of money and monetary policy and the history of it and how it affects our everyday lives. But then, like, you tack it from other angles, like mining efficiency and energy efficiency. Like, you're finding, like, all right, now you start questioning, all right, if Bitcoin's taking up 1% of the – consuming 1% of the world's energy, allegedly, because people have done the math and they think it's precipitously lower than 1%. Um, but even if it were 1%, like, all right, what's the benchmark? Like, what do, what do are you benchmarking Bitcoin's consumption against? Against, And if we're going to do, like, monetary stuff, like, this is pretty heady. I thought about this earlier today. Like, how much energy is consumed to make sure that the U.S. dollar remains the world reserve currency and remains well, the petrodollar? It like,
1: decides, like, if you, if you rope in the military, then you're just estimates. Just I don't even know where you put it on the graph. It exactly. It just goes crazy. Exactly.
0: Yeah. You, you rope in the military all the contractors that come in with that, all the rebuilding you have to do after you blow up countries and the tanks. It was,
1: and, it was like your pod with Joe earlier early this week, or did you, you dropped it? Today. Today, yeah, so it'll be yesterday when you guys hear this. Um, you know, Joe was talking, he made a good point. He's like, at the end of the day, fiat's value... Oh. Depends on the trust in whatever government issues the fiat, right? Right. Yeah, so like you got to rope in all those costs They're they're key to backing the whole that whole system,
0: right? But again as a benchmark. It's like, okay This is true. This may be true, but let's take a look inside So before you get angry and scream bloody murder, let's uh, let's let's evaluate the situation here and, and weigh the pros and cons and I think the pros of Bitcoin mining and The incentives of the game theory that are built into Bitcoin mining are an overall, actually not an overall, like a a, an extremely net uh, positive to human society. Extreme net positive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think it puts like you know people talk about like carbon credits uh, to incentivize companies to pollute less. You know, that's this. This so you know this extra idea they add on top, at its core, like Bitcoin is a is a direct
0: market-driven incentive.
1: Yeah, and it 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 puts a a dead-on value to energy, like a base layer value to energy production, which is like it's just pretty crazy to think about. The implications are are so fucking huge. And it just devolves
0: into this argument about how Bitcoin's a waste. So it's, <laughs> right. it's,
1: a, it's, it's a little bit frustrating.
0: So uh, for all you freaks out there who may have families, members who are pushing this narrative on you, tell them to check out the pod where you can take them to school yourselves. And and, and and ask them to think, ask them to think critically about, about what they're saying, because I think a lot of people will just say this. And again, it goes back to media narratives. Like they'll, Media is trying to create these boogeymen out there. Um, not this media that we're that we're speaking through right now. But yeah, we're boogeyman as well. Yeah, we might, we might be. Don't trust us. We, don't ever trust us. Don't, don't trust ever anyone. Trust us. Don't tr- you just trust you're on your, on your own.
1: Trust yourself. You're on, you're on your own. Do you
0: um, do we do have any diligence. do we have any parting notes on mining um, uh, the hash rate jump? I. I think it's important to realize
1: that the key thing that Satoshi figured out wasn't blockchain. It was POW. Like, that is... It's the base of all this shit. It's the cool, it's, it creates it creates the, the trust-minimized environment because everyone's just working in their own best interest to secure
0: this thing. I forget who brought it up today, but somebody was saying we should stop calling it proof of work because that's really a misnomer. Proof of work derives from Adam Back's definition, a hashcaf as, right. that you had to prove com- computational work so you can prove you weren't a spammer. Um, with Bitcoin, Bitcoin is more analogous to a clock, some people will say. Did you see that floating around today? Yeah, I kind of did. Yeah, and that's actually something I would... would, Like, I slightly agree with that. Like, Bitcoin's... Maybe if it's not a clock, it's like a metronome. Like a... Like creating global consensus roughly every 10 minutes. I like
1: proof of work. Because I, you know... I think that even if you're not a miner, you know... You go to work in the morning, right? And then you can convert that work into Bitcoin, right? So, So, we're all we're all doing proof of work together whether you're buying it or whether you're mining it you know you're you're literally we have this ledger that says these people did work and it's stored
0: yeah so santi siri who i spoke with in chicago over the weekend love that dude uh he described he described proof of work as fabricating time with randomness um so you're ba- basically fabricating time in random data which is uh, an interesting way to to think about proof of work because, uh, again, there's, uh, there's multiple, multiple paths at which you can approach, uh, how you view these things. Um, you just pointed at something. What was it?
1: No, I was, oh, I was Jackson Palmer doesn't like that idea. Well, Jackson <laughs> Palmer also
0: out of himself as a socialist the other week. I don't know how much <laughs> he can take, uh, I don't know how, I think we have to take what he says with a grain of salt from here.
1: No, on. yeah, I mean, I, that's that's neither here nor there. I mean, you can, there's all these cool different ways to describe it. I mean, I like that um, our buddy Nick Carter was talking about the uh, the aluminum spelting analogy, right? Because it, it's also... An, I missed this. What happened with that? It's also like a very um, <coughs> electricity-heavy process, right? So like the main cost is is electricity cost. So, so there was a lot of situations where... Um, they were searching for the cheapest, the cheapest energy possible. You know, they were using hydro. They were, they were doing it in Iceland where they were disconnected from the grid, but it was a way to basically export energy. Um, and it had a similar backlash because it had a, had a, had a
0: very heavy electricity uh, requirement. And are you freaks happy with all the aluminum we have in the world? Has it helped our society as a whole? I want to go back to tinfoil okay go back to Tim (laughs) okay let's go next topic what do we have here do we have any last topic NERP being rolled out in uh, in Germany no interest rate policy I'm trying to pull up the tweet now Um, but yeah apparently I think I believe uh, particular um, particular banking customers in Germany (laughs) good luck pronouncing this bank what's the name of the bank Marty hamburger sparkass i think i did a good job sparkassi <laughs> well no, i don't know we don't know hamburger sparkassi i'm
1: sure one of the listeners will tell you that you're levy a, a fee. fucking idiot
0: about it they're gonna levy they're gonna charge their depositors 40 bips if they have over five hundred euro in private savings so 40 hmm. bips on an annual basis um correct yeah uh so if you have over 500 euro in uh 500,000 euros. 500,000 euros. <laughs> 500,000 euros in Hamburg, Sparkassi. Uh, I could be butchering that. Uh, They're just going to take money from you. Definitely rethink.
1: You're going to... You're paying... You end up paying... You're paying the bank to hold your money for you. Yeah. Um, Is that ethical? Is that a fee worth paying, though? I mean, as long as it's transparent, like, that's fine. But, we, you know, we happen to have a better system. Better alternatives. Yeah.
0: But Bitcoin, I, I wouldn't argue that somebody, like...
1: They painted themselves in the corner when you go down to zero. Yeah. you know, then you. Oh, If you have to go lower, then you got to go negative, right? They definitely painted themselves in a the corner.
0: Like they'll never, they'll never be able to raise in the Federal Reserve. Yeah, in you particular. were just talking about this. They'll yeah. never be able to raise above like three percent. I don't think. Not even. I don't even think they'll be able to approach three percent without. I mean, what are we at right now? I think we're at one point two bips.
1: Yeah, maybe a little bit higher.
0: Or one hundred twenty bips, one point two percent. Maybe a little bit higher. Uh,
1: but either way, I just I don't see how you can raise it much without just tanking everything, tanking you know equities, tanking real estate, the things that have it, all well, exploded
0: you, under you, the. It really, at its the core, easy money at its core, it just uh, destroys our ability to pay back our debt.
1: I mean, and that's the thing is like is what I I often come back to oh, is. Where are we at?
0: There you go. One point nine one, two percent. Maybe I was wrong.
1: It might. It might break his number. It might, might break his number. Damn. They're um, really raising rates. Yeah. Donald Trump's been yelling at all That's that. what I'm saying. They've been aggressive lately, and yeah. I'm surprised that the market hasn't responded. Um, you yeah. know, we keep hitting all time highs. It's it, it, we've never been in this situation before. You know, like well, definitely we we should link this this Fred graph in there. Yes. The, like when people say. That's the way it's always been. It's just a complete fucking crock of shit because you know we were on the gold standard, um, you know, 50 years ago, basically, and we've never had rates this low, and we've had this government-fueled bubble. Never had this rates this so low. So who the hell ex- knows what's gonna happen?
0: Never had rates of this low for this extended period of time. I mean, they hovered around like 0. 0.05 bips to like 0. 0.75 bips for a decade uh bips for you non-financial nerds out there is basis points which is anything to the the right of the decimal point percentages um yeah so it's interesting that's and that i mean that is the use case of bitcoin that's another interesting thing uh with my conversation with joe that dropped yesterday is that like it's interesting to see like some countries going through inflation bouts like Turkey without like printing an insane amount of money it was basically just a collapse in the loss in faith yeah loss in faith of the law and order of the country so there's many ways in which a currency can can unravel
1: i mean i think these like weaker countries they're just they're gonna get hit first by you know all this and first it'll be like the, the usd is stronger the the yuan is stronger the euro is stronger, but but bitcoin's just going to be chugging you know behind behind the scenes and, and they're the first to fall they just i mean I, I i forget where it was from but like the average the average
0: lifespan of a fiat currency is like was it a dead years.
1: fiat currency though i think it was a little bit opposite of survivorship bias but it was like 15 years or something 12 I think, years I think or 13 21. years So it's like a little sheltered American thinking to think, you know, oh, it won't happen in my country. Like, yeah, it probably won't happen in the U.S. anytime soon. Yeah. Um,
0: And I think that's uh, because it's the the most polished piece of shit in the pile.
1: Well, it's just we're America. You know, we have the we have the military. Yeah. You know, we have we're a superpower.
0: America. What else do we want to talk about? That was all I had on my list. What do you got?
1: No, I mean, I think it was like kind of a slow week. Oh, the ETFs. Oh, yeah, the ETFs, right? Oh, we started the pod with the ETFs. We forgot about them. Uh, right after our pod last, dropped last, last week, they were supposed to the do... The SEC. The SEC was supposed... They. I like just they. Uh, the SEC was supposed to do a decision on two ETFs, I think, but instead they said nine we We're all out. Um, and then... So then the market tanked, obviously, even though we all knew that they were going to say no. And then a day later or two days later, they announced they were reviewing that decision for an, for an indeterminate amount of time. So we don't know when, when they'll review it. And then the market bounced yeah, there's on the been, news.
0: There's been a lot of debate about the, the need for an ETF and whether it's good or bad for Bitcoin. Um, I am admittedly a little bit uh, ignorant into this, the, like, the uh, argument from both sides. Would you be able to
1: give it to us? Well, we went over this in the last pod. We shouldn't. I mean, look, I, the ETFs I think are inevitable. I think we don't need them, but they're they're
0: gonna happen, and they'll about, be a net good. I think. I was talking more about like Caitlin Long's appearance on. Trace yeah, I mean, Myers. she's
1: afraid of, of fractional situations. Yeah, um, and I think, I we we definitely talked about it because bitcoin is going to go up forever by design <laughs> right it'll ha- it'll go up and down but it's it's theoretically like should go up trend up forever so if you're fractional reserve you're going to get caught in one of the bull runs and you know if the market hasn't already decided that that you're a worthless fund then you'll be worthless at that point right yeah like i don't I don't think they can pull the same shenanigans that people say that they possibly pull on gold. Um, I think.
0: Yeah. Cause you can audit the blockchain. The supply is too,
1: too fixed. You know, it's like, you know, you want to try, you can try. People want to do this whole, you know, fractional thing with, with Bitcoin. You can try, you're going to end up, you'll probably end up getting burnt and, and it'll just work itself out is what I think. And I think that just in general, an ETF just gives, gives more buyers, uh, More people that want exposure to Bitcoin, an easy way to do it. They don't have to worry about custody and stuff. So even though I would never own one, it might as well be there, you know? Like if, you know, exactly. Like if if someone comes up to me and says, I want to own some Bitcoin and I don't want to deal anything with any of the technology or whatsoever, I don't have an answer for them right now, you know? But if you had an ETF, I could just be like, buy some of that ETF. I know the guys that run it. They probably won't lose all your money, you know, (laughs) and and buy that by that and and you'll get some exposure out of it. But but don't like hold your breath. You know, we've been talking about this shit since Since 2013. 2013. And uh, at the end of the day, we don't need it. Uh, But but it's it's not something to be scared of either. Is is all I'm saying.
0: All right. Last news item here. We'll end on this. In the traditional financial world, the CFTC uh, just fined Deutsche Bank $70 million penalty for attempted manipulation of the U.S. dollar ISDAFIX benchmark swap rate. Um, so we have traditional banking system fucking with your fiat money. Uh, this, uh, so they're basically trying to manipulate markets and manipulate a swap on a dollar derivative or something like that.
1: Right. Reminds you of the whole library rigging scandal exactly. yeah, type of situation. Something right? similar.
0: Yeah, so the CFTC stepped in here, so this is definitely a futures contract. Um, so just so you know, uh, people that are demonizing crypto out there for, for and, uh, vandals and vandals and robbers and, and nefarious people, this type of crime happens uh, well, in the traditional system as let's well.
1: Let's talk about what manipulation is. What is manipulation? Uh,
0: it's, it's cornering the market in a certain way that you benefit.
1: But in a free market, is there, is there such thing it, as manipulation? I would say that in a free market, the only manipulation is, is if a centralized exchange is like using the information they know of the order book and people stops and stuff like that to fuck with their customers. I would say that is wholehearted manipulation and, and hopefully the market can figure that out. These are the exchanges
0: I don't trust to use. Well, See, so I would back up there. I wouldn't even say it's the exchanges. You back up. You talk about Libor and other, like the gold fixing price in in London, in particular, those two uh, prices and rates that are set were set every or still are set every day. Like they were manipulated heavily, and I don't think it's like you said. Uh, if these exchanges are actively working against their customers, I think with Libor and gold rates in particular, it was traders trying to push the market in a certain direction based off of where their positions were where they had positions in the market they weren't necessarily nefariously trying to dupe their customers per se but what they didn't realize is that LIBOR and gold fixing rates are rates that affect every fucking pension in america no but those are in the world like and that is an unethical manipulation
1: those I are centralized like the LIBOR rigging scandals because isn't it like there was 15 or so banks that get to choose together. Yeah, we're the fucking G chat. Yeah, exactly. The I'm, but I was, my point was, I was trying to bring it back to Bitcoin. When people say Bitcoin manipulation, oh, right, okay. that Bitcoin is a manipulated market. Sorry for ranting that. Cause Bitcoin is a truly is the first time we've had anything close to a free market in, you know, our grandparents' lifetimes at least. Um, and what is manipulation in a truly unregulated free market? If you don't know, who the accounts are of the people on the exchanges, you know, you can't enforce wash trading, right? If, if one person has, has two accounts on an exchange that doesn't do KYC, and they're trading between each other, there's no way for the exchange to stop that, right?
0: Yeah, well, this was... Well, the Chinese exchange is like, okay, okay. But they're doing it themselves, yeah. right? So
1: that's a, it, that's a little bit... That's what I'm saying. Like, I I think that we've had people... Specifically, inside the crypto community, like people like Bitfinex, that they scream manipulation about things that bring into question what is manipulation to begin with, right? Yeah. And I, I I would I would be hesitant to say that anything short of a, a a centralized exchange an exchange of any sort basically operating against their customers. So if you're like a whale, right? and you're sensing, you know, and, and, and Bitfinex is publishing how many shorts there are. It's public information, how many shorts there are. And you decide to put in $20 million to fucking pump the price and liquidate a bunch of shorts to affect positions on other exchanges and stuff. Like, you're just playing the game. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I wouldn't classify, I wouldn't specifically classify that as manipulation. I would classify that as a side effect of Market free making. markets yeah. and, and illiquid, you know, and, and something that has a very small float that's very easy to move around. And, and that's just what the end result is going to be. And it, so if you don't like that, like there's no solution. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's going to, It'll always be the way it is. It'll take more and more money to do those kind of things, is what happens. Over time, it takes more and more money to do those kind of things.
0: Yeah, as the market becomes more saturated and less volatile.
1: Right, but there are certain exchanges that are probably trading against their customers and doing shady shit, you know. Um, and that should definitely be frowned upon, and, and you know, hopefully Any, the market uh, will stop using them. A lot
0: of people uh accuse bitmex of that. Do you think BitMEX is doing that? Because BitMEX has a prop desk as well or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: I'm a little troubled with BitMEX. Uh, I think they offer a very compelling product. And they've and the research is top notch, like they've been very reliable. I mean <laughs> people are gonna get it. when 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 there's high traffic, when there's like high trading times they go down a lot. It's like a meme. But um They've never gotten hacked or anything like that. Um, they seem to run like a pretty tight ship. And but if they are trading against their people, you know, then that's a big no-no. I, I I I I and 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 I have an issue because BitMEX makes it really easy for retail to go high leverage, and you you people shouldn't be trading at high. If I had easy, if I had Bitmax. In 2014, 2015, I'd have no Bitcoin right now. I just would have, <laughs> I would have... I would have... And we had OK Casino back then, but it was different. You know, BitMEX is, like, the way more polished. BitMEX is, like, way more polished. It, like, tricks you into complacency, you know, and it turns it into basically just straight-up gambling because Bitcoin is... the float is there's The volatility is so high, you know, that you can get... You just get burned each way if you're using leverage. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you, could, you could have called short from 14K and been trading short on BitMEX and just have been liquidated now like 25 times, you know, 30 times just because every time you held it too long or turned in the wrong direction for a second before going down, after it passed your stop, just don't fuck with that.
0: Yeah. Risk management people. Dollar cost average. Know, know your limits. I know mine. I don't, I don't fuck with leverage.
1: Um Hey right, you have uh, I mean, he also doesn't own a credit card, but yeah. I do own a credit card. Yeah, you just got one. Uh, what. Um, so that's it. Should we just. Should we wrap her up? Yeah, let's wrap her up. Let's do a little recap. What do we hit? No, we shouldn't do a recap. The recap was. People a like the idea. recap.
0: Do you think so? Well, that's the feedback I got. Okay. Give us a recap, Marty. All right. We hit Vitalik's post, uh, potentially an admission that uh, the ethos of uh, keeping the protocol level as dumb and simple as possible and pushing all the innovation to second layers. Uh, he dropped that. I would say that's an omission of something that uh have has been clamoring about for, for years. Uh, from that, we went on to uh, the importance of softworks and being backwards compatible, and that Bitcoin is, in fact, innovative. Uh, don't let people tell you it isn't. Uh, and then we talked about CNBC. We see NBC bash for a little bit. Don't trust them. They are pumping Nautilus coin in 2014. Um, they're the worst just uh, I don't even know why they exist anymore uh, government strike back WeChat Alipay uh, all Bitcoin related all cryptocurrency related exchange need to build the tools better need to build better tools Um, hash rate jumped we don't know why we don't know what it means apparently it's fallen back down Uh, and then we jumped into Lorenz piece which you should all check out we'll link to it in the in the bio uh, in the show notes excuse me and then uh, NERP in Germany and this CFTC fine on Deutsche Bank. Or, excuse me, the other German bank, Hamburger. And, we, and the ETFs, denied oh, yeah. and, and reviewed. ETFs, mm-hmm. denied and reviewed. There we go. So that was uh, this week in the Rabbit Hole Recap. Thank you, freaks, for joining us. We'll be back next week. Cheers, guys.
1: Peace and love.